0: Welcome to the Best of the Left podcast with clips today from The Daily Show, Rachel Maddow, Brave New Films, Counterspin, The Colbert Report, The Young Turks, and Countdown.
1: How long ago, a young idealists came to Washington and announced that this time, things would be different. No more secrecy, no more lies, no more man-sized safes.
2: Let me say it as simply as I can. Transparency and the rule of law will be the touchstones of this presidency.
1: It's all on the table, baby. Sunshine is the best disinfectant. Gonna trade in Air Force One for Wonder Woman's invisible jet. (laughs) Nothing's off limits for this administration's transparency. A major reversal
3: by President Obama today uh, deciding to try to block the release of some detainee photos. Hundreds of photos showing alleged prisoner abuse in the hands of the U.S.
1: military. Well, now what am I going to do with all these frames? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I know what must have happened. Obama was all like, I'm going to release these photos. And then some guy was like, See, sir, here are the photos. And then Obama was like... <sniffs> <laughs> Put these away in
2: a man's eye safe. (laughs) Actually, the president's reasoning was a little more rational. The most direct consequence of releasing them, I believe, would be to further inflame anti-American opinion and to put our troops in greater danger. That's, uh,
1: you know, that's reasonable. I can accept that. It does crystallize the dilemma we find ourselves in, though, when we go down this whole torture and abuse road. Torturing detainees is allegedly the only way to get certain information that will make us safer. But pictures of us doing it <laughs> puts us in a very harm's way. I, I, guess, I guess it gives us only two choices. Uh, all right, first choice, what would happen if we stopped torturing people?
4: What, what some don't understand, evidently, is that we're at war... And it's a different kind of war. Somebody we've got in our, uh, our, our control may have information that could help us stop an attack.
1: The ticking time bomb
5: scenario. The possibility of a cell of al-Qaeda in the midst of one of our own cities with a nuclear weapon. You do
6: everything you can
5: to save this nation. The use of these techniques against these terrorists made us safer. And You use all of your assets to go after the enemy.
1: Well, I guess that settles it. We'll just... <laughs> Have to stop taking pictures of it.
7: Uh,
1: America's America's war on this whole thing is those digital cameras' fault. They're so f***ing easy to use. America's war on terror has indeed tested our resolve. We've pushed the limits of our own principles, from warrantless wiretapping, to building a prison out of our own legal jurisdiction, to not releasing photos depicting our treatment of detainees, to the treatment of detainees itself. Every asset we have must be used all in the service of keeping America safe. Is there any line we still will not cross? Lieutenant Dan Choi is an
8: Iraq War veteran. He's fluent in Arabic, and he just received word that the military is discharging him because he's admitted he's gay. Ah, oh, that's the line.
1: <laughs> the one line America will not cross is the chorus line. <laughs> Amazingly, in this... crisis, when we are marshalling every tool at our disposal to fight this insidious enemy. Dan Choi is one of 54 Arabic translators dismissed due to their sexual preference. So it was okay to waterboard a guy over 80 times, but God forbid the guy who could understand what that prick was saying (laughs) has a boyfriend. You know, I want to say this, waterboarding may make him talk. God. Waterboarding may make the prisoner talk, but it ain't going to make him talk English.
2: <laughs> Candidate Obama, what do you think about linguists like Dan Choi? I have stated repeatedly that don't ask, don't tell makes no sense. Why would we not want able men and women who are willing to sacrifice on our behalf, why wouldn't we tell them no?
1: Makes sense. President Obama, what are you going to do about Dan Choi? The White House today confirmed that President Obama will not intervene in current cases against men and women who admit they're gay. I <laughs> feel... Right. Let that be a reminder. Always check the fine print, people.
9: to share with you what I think is one of the strangest, most ambitious, horribly bizarre political ads ever aired on American television. It's an old one. It's from 1968, when Democrats Hubert Humphrey and Ed Muskie were running against Richard Nixon, and and we'll check it out. Notice how it ends just as the laughing guy starts retching? It's classy with a K, right? The guy who created that ad in 1968 also worked on arguably the most famous political ad of all time, which ran only once in 1964 as part of Lyndon Johnson's campaign against Barry Goldwater.
10: Johnson on November 3rd the stakes are too high for you to stay home
9: the reason the Daisy ad is the most famous political ad of all time is because it is the paragon of the be afraid vote for us strategy Daisy was widely seen as completely over-the-top extreme exploitation of Americans fears and that's why it only ran once but today Completely over-the-top extreme exploitation of Americans' fears is not really a problem anymore. Uh, As the Republican Party adopts this as their new theme song, Be Afraid! Vote for Us! I'm not going to play the entire ad again, but remember, this is how the Republican Party has been campaigning thus far on the issue of Guantanamo. the feeling of fear or anxiety you might be experiencing, it's because of the scary music. It's not because of the argument they're making in the ad. The argument they're making is about how scary it is that bad guys might be put into American prisons which is actually not that scary an idea. As the Washington Post headline conveniently pointed out today, supermax prisons in U.S. already hold terrorists. Timothy McVeigh, Ted Kaczynski, Richard Reid, Ramzi Youssef, Zacharias Musawi Richard Ramirez, Eric Rudolph, Charles Manson, all some examples of bad guys who have been safely held in U.S. prisons without us having that horrible agita feeling that O Fortuna gives us. But the Republicans think that there's some be afraid, vote for us blood still available to be wrung from this stone, and so they. Have have doubled down. They're not content to be simply inspired by the over-the-top extreme exploitation of American fears symbolized by the Daisy ad from 1968. They're not content on the st- to have the symbolism, to have the inspiration. They're now using actual footage from that actual 1968 ad in their Guantanamo campaign.
11: TO
2: CLOSE
11: IT, TO CLOSE
2: IT NOT. GUANTANAMO, THAT'S EASY. CLOSE DOWN
11: GUANTANAMO. TO CLOSE IT, TO CLOSE IT
2: NOT. I DON'T BELIEVE that SHOULD COME TO THE UNITED
7: STATES.
12: WE WILL NEVER ALLOW terrorists TO BE rele- RELEASED INTO THE UNITED STATES. TO CLOSE IT, TO CLOSE IT
13: NOT. WE'VE MADE SOME uh, HASTY DECISIONS THAT uh, ARE NOW GOING TO TAKE SOME TIME uh, TO UNWIND. AND uh, CLOSING GUANTANAMO BAY OBVIOUSLY IS ONE OF THOSE DECISIONS. THESE
12: ARE THE STATES.
9: Guantanamo, that's easy. Close down, Guantanamo. First, the argument that Robert Gibbs was saying was had been taken, the decision that was hasty was uh, the Bush administration's decision to open Guantanamo. The argument of that ad really is that putting more terrorists in American prisons is the same thing as the nuclear annihilation of the whole world. Today's Republican Party brought to you by fear, scaring people into getting in line since the first time God ever smoked something.
5: These people, we had pursued uh, interrogation in a more normal way. We decided that we needed some enhanced techniques. Do you have any regrets about any of it? Uh, no regrets. I think it was absolutely the right thing to do. I am convinced, absolutely convinced, that we saved thousands, perhaps hundreds of thousands of lives.
14: Torture does not save lives. Torture costs us lives. When former Vice President Cheney or General Hayden or Mr. McCasey say that torture has kept America safe, that's not true. Uh, I'm a former military interrogator. I was in the Air Force or Air Force Reserves uh, for more than 14 years on active duty. And I went to Iraq in 2006, and I was the senior interrogator for a task force charged with finding Abu Musab al-Zarqawi, who was the former leader of Al-Qaeda in Iraq. And I led a team of interrogators in Iraq. Uh, I conducted over 300 interrogations myself, And I supervised over a thousand interrogations. Another term out there
5: that slipped into the discussion is the notion that American interrogation practices were a quote recruitment tool for the enemy. On this theory, by the tough questioning of killers, we have supposedly fallen short of our own values. This recruitment tool theory
14: has become something of a mantra lately. At the prison where I conducted interrogations, uh, we heard day in and day out foreign fighters Uh, who had been captured, state that the number one reason they had come to fight in Iraq was because of torture and abuse, Uh, what had happened at Guantanamo Bay and Abu Ghraib. So my team of interrogators realized uh, that torture and abuse was counterproductive to what we're trying to accomplish in the long run. We're basically handing Al-Qaeda its number one recruiting tool. These same foreign fighters who came to Iraq to fight uh, because of torture and abuse made up about 90% of all suicide bombers uh... and those suicide bombers in addition to foreign fighters who just attacked coalition forces uh... literally cost us hundreds if not thousands of american lives in iraq uh, and some people argue and say well those things alone didn't force these people to come to iraq and to that i would say you're wrong uh, i heard it day in and day out when they see pictures of other muslims being tortured and abused by u.s soldiers that's enough to push them over the edge and that's enough to convince them to travel to Iraq and to give up their life uh, for what they see as a noble cause. And remember, one of Al-Qaeda's goals, it's not just to attack the United States, it's to prove that we're hypocrites, that we don't live up to American principles. So when we use torture and abuse, we're playing directly into one of their stated goals. Torture and abuse really is a failure of leadership. As leaders, isn't that our job to make rational decisions apart from our emotions? on dark days? Isn't that why we're entrusted with those responsibilities? I know when I took an oath as a military officer there was no language in my oath of office about sunny or dark days. It said that I would defend the Constitution of the United States on all days. Uh, Torture has cost us American lives uh, in the past and it will continue to cost us American lives because Al-Qaeda is going to continue to use the past uh, policies as a very effective recruiting tool
15: she throws me like a rubber ball oh, oh the sweetest thing but she won't catch me a up-
8: If you've got a TV, you've probably been seeing a lot of former Vice President Dick Cheney, who is on a campaign to pushed the message that Barack Obama has made the country more dangerous by dropping such Bush-era policies as torture. By giving Cheney such prominent airtime, the media have allowed him to shift the torture debate away from the legal and moral angles to the more self-serving argument that torture works. Cheney claims that secret intelligence proves that many attacks on the U.S. were averted because of information gleaned through abusive interrogations. These claims go largely unchallenged, even though there's plenty of evidence that undercuts Cheney. Vanity Fair reported last December that FBI Director Robert Mueller says he knows of no such averted attacks. In 2004, the CIA's inspector general similarly concluded that torture had not been useful. And many experts and historians on the subject say that non-coercive techniques are far better at obtaining accurate information than abusive ones. There is also, of course, the fact that Cheney has History of telling falsehoods based on alleged secret intelligence. Remember Iraq's nuclear program, WMD, links with Al Qaeda? But instead of being confronted, the former Veep gets a pass. The Dean of Washington Journalists, David Broder, was respectful of Cheney's argument, describing him in the May 24th Washington Post as, quote, scornful of the simplistic formulas that politicians tend to favor, close quote. Yes, that's right. Dick Cheney is averse to simplistic formulas, the one who's saying that those who don't follow his discredited policies are endangering the country.
6: tempest forcibly stuffed into a teapot. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is up to her Elmo-sized eyeballs in media guano over what she did or did not know about waterboarding. CIA says it briefed her on it back in 2002, but the Speaker says didn't happen. Last week, her denials went a step too far. Just to be clear, you're accusing the CIA of lying to you in September of 2002. misleading the Congress of the United States. That is ridiculous. (laughs) The CIA does not mislead world leaders. They assassinate them. So, the CIA fired back, saying, quote, it is not our policy or practice to mislead Congress. It's true. Sometimes they just get lucky. Now clearly Nancy Pelosi calling the CIA liars makes this torture debate a whole new ball game.
14: Can't we agree, sitting right here, it's a great thing that this
6: nation has stated, that we're not going to use torture as an instrument of foreign policy. That's not the point. The point is that
16: you have the Speaker of the House who said that she she wasn't told, she didn't have a clue, and in fact, the evidence contradicts
6: Thank you, Chairman Steele. The point is not whether we tortured. There's no way to know that without finding out. <laughs> the point is... Nancy Pelosi said she didn't know, but she really did know about something that I think is really in the best interest of this country, and we cannot let her get away with that. There was only one rain cloud hanging over my Pelosi Day parade. (laughs) Friend of the show and former Senator Bob Graham, he chaired the Senate Intelligence Committee in 2002. He says he wasn't told about waterboarding either, and he is famous for keeping a meticulous Diary. Meticulous means pathologically OCD, right? Okay. <laughs> the man records every moment of his life, like these entries from September 17, 2002. Apply scalp medication. <laughs> dress in gray suit. And let life pass me by while writing down every single thing I do. Hey, Bob Graham, no one wants to read every detail of your life. Oh, I should Twitter that. Hold on. Spang. Now, the CIA and Cheney's office also claim they briefed Graham on waterboarding, but his diary does not say a word about it. Pretty strong evidence backing Pelosi. Of course, if he were here, I could destroy his credibility like that. Here to have his credibility destroyed, please welcome Senator Bob Graham. Senator, thank you so much for joining me. I'm here to be destroyed. All right. All right. Let's Grace get at yourself. It. let's get at it. You've had a nice career, but now it's, it's over. over. Okay, over. Senator.
4: Well, you've never had a nice career, but you're thriving.
6: You're just tossing wood on your pyre, I, I sir. Know. Now, were you or were you not briefed on waterboarding and you know what? Um, uh, we should swear you in. Raise your right hand, please. And let's swear you in on, uh, on your new oh, book. Yeah. Oh, look, you have a book. It is called <laughs> yes. America the Owner's Manual uh, by Bob Graham. Uh, please, uh, what is the Owner's Manual for America? The
4: Owner's Manual tells people who have been sitting in the stands of democracy but want to get actively involved how to do it. What are the skills that a citizen needs to be an effective participatory citizen.
6: Now, say a citizen, say a senator from Florida, found out from the CIA that people were being waterboarded. What would he then do? Would he maybe write it down in his diary and go, hey, I found out that we're waterboarding people? Did you you do
4: that? If he followed the lessons of America, the owner's manual, what he would do would try to engage the media in order to spread the word that he had not, in fact, uh, been uh, briefed. I have come to the pinnacle of the media, the Colbert Report. Oh, I, uh, I know that. I know that.
6: They say they told you, though. How, how, do, you, how do you reconcile? We told Bob Graham, uh, Bob Graham saying they didn't tell me. How do you well, reconcile? Well, they also those two?
4: told me, uh, Stephen, that I had been briefed on four occasions. I went to my notebooks and mm-hmm. checked all four dates and confirmed that on three of the four dates, there was no briefing held, and the CIA now agrees. What does that say about the CIA's record keeping?
6: Uh, that it was classified, yeah. it's classified. They can't <laughs> let you know, they can't let you know that you were there, because yeah. Yeah. you're not trustworthy, clearly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay? I, hadn't,
4: I hadn't really thought of it well, that way. Well, think of it that but, way. Now, right. now yeah. is
6: there a chance that they, is there a chance that, in the, so they agree there was a fourth meeting?
4: Right? Yes, there was a point. Maybe meeting. they
6: told you at that meeting. Yeah, I mean, you could have, then... I mean, you're not writing anything down right now. Maybe if I told you something, you wouldn't remember. By yeah. the way, we're waterboarding people. Yeah. <laughs> could they have told you it in a way that you didn't understand? Could it have been like, you know, jargon and mumbo-jumbo, like you'll sometimes hear, and then you'll, like, okay, that's fine, and you wake up six months later, and you've got a five-year membership to a health club? <laughs>
4: <laughs> All right. it's possible they could have done that, but they didn't uh this briefing did not cover waterboarding be- or any other form of how do, you know? how do you know because no- i was there but
6: are there witnesses
4: there were other people there who well um, one of the reasons why i'm pretty certain that uh this was not a highly classified briefing is because there were people who didn't have the clearances to receive a high classified hearing well maybe that's proof that they actually told you let me tell you why right.
6: okay Because if there were people there who didn't have the clearing to hear classified information, but the Bush administration didn't think that waterboarding was torture, there was no reason to classify it, therefore they could have told it to those people, therefore they did tell you. Yeah, but the the class... You realize you're busted, though. You realize you're busted. You're nailed. We call it being nailed. Senator Graham, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, Bob Graham! The owner's manual. If you own America, you should buy it.
16: This is exhibit A as to why I didn't want to become a politician. Now, I love politics, but I I don't like practicing it as a politician because all they do is change their positions based on the politics of the moment. And is it a Republican president or a Democratic president? And I'm too attached to the truth to be able to pull this crap like this off. Senator Lindsey Graham. Now, he's going to talk about, and the people over at APN did a fantastic, I'm sorry, ANP here, uh, did a fantastic job. The producer is Mike Fritz, and the executive producer is David Murdoch, in putting this clip together. It's Lindsey Graham in 2008 and in 2009, speaking about the same exact issue, saying the exact opposite things.
12: Let's watch. You've got to understand there's two sides to this story. There's very much two sides to this story, and we need to move on and get it right. Waterboarding at the time of 2002 was not clear what law it violated. The Geneva Convention did not apply until 2006. Mr. Haynes, who will come before the committee today, wrote in an official document that waterboarding may be legally available to the military, never mind the fact that it is clearly prohibited under the Uniform Code of Military Justice. Have you ever met Mr. Bobby? I've never met him. Have Mr. you met Bobby. any of these people? I so met, you're basing I met John
6: you, on you once.
12: You're basing your opinion because they didn't cite a case that you think is despised if they're a bunch of crooks. I mean is that what this comes down to? Your opinion that no reasonable lawyer could write a memo and exclude this case without being unethical. The guidance that was provided During this period of time, I think we'll go down in history as some of the most irresponsible and short-sighted legal analysis ever provided to our nation's military and intelligence communities. The vice president suggesting that there was good information obtained, and I'd like the committee to get that information. Let's have both sides of the story here. I mean, one of the reasons these techniques have survived for about 500 years is apparently they work. These treaties that we're talking about, the Convention Against Torture signed by Ronald Reagan, has served this country and the world well. And would we sit on the sidelines if some executive in another country said, I have the inherent authority because my nation's at risk to set this treaty aside. I don't want to take off the table for this president the ability to do things beyond the army field manual to protect this nation. If we restrict ourselves to the army field manual, shame on us. Would we object if some airmen were in the hands of a nation state and the executive of that nation said, even though I signed up the Geneva Convention, I believe I have the inherent authority to protect my people to set it aside in this case. If we go down that road, the law means nothing.
16: The American News Project did a fantastic job in putting that together. Now, let me tell you why there's such a disparity in about a year. Why did Lindsey Graham change his position 100 percent? In fact, one thing that's not in the clip that you should know about, which is very important, is Lindsey Graham actually in 2005 uh, wrote a bill with uh, John McCain saying that we must follow the Army field manual. So he was actually 100% right on this issue from the beginning. And he was the one who wrote the bill and bucked his party and, and pushed for that bill. So he was on the right side of things. And then in 08, he's still on the right side of things, kind of. At that point, I'll explain that in a second. And then in 09, he flips. Why? See, I believe the real Lindsey Graham, if there is such a thing with any politician, was the one in 2005. He was Air Force JAG himself, uh, and so being a lawyer in the military, he knows what's right and what's wrong. And he knew that this was torture, and he knew it was unacceptable. So I gave him a lot of credit back then, and I said, "Man, he's really pushing for the right things here." and he's being a maverick, if you will, because that was not the Republican Party line. Uh, Then in 2008, uh, we started getting closer to the election, and he wound up actually a little earlier than that voting with John McCain to say, no, 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 the CIA can get outside the Army field manual. But then as we get closer to the election, now you see that's one flip-flop already. We get to the second flip-flop. He's worried that oh, my God, we're going to lose this election, and we're going to lose a lot of seats, right? So I'm going to go back to appearing moderate and reasonable. So he comes out and says, oh, no, 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 we can't torture. And as you saw in that clip there, if we veer from the Army field manual, uh, it is terrible. They'll do it to our troops. What It separ- does not separate us from uh, any uh, dictator off the street, et cetera, et cetera. As soon as the election is over, he goes back to supporting the Republican Party line. If we... Did you hear him? He said, if we follow the Army field manual, shame on us. Now, look, these guys are politicians, man. I mean, when you see a clip like that and you see the history of how Lindsey Graham changes his vote and his policy on this position about four times, you think, who in their right mind would go into this field? I mean, and, w- and the one little extra thing that drives me crazy about it is the press will take all these guys at face value. They'll be like, oh, well, if a senator said it, it must be true. I mean, you wouldn't accuse a United States Senator of lying, would you? Hell, yes I would. I'd do it for a living. But look at Lindsey Graham. He has no principles by the end of it. No, no, if that's what politics is, and believe me, it is what politics is, for about 90% of the time, for 90% of the people, then I got no
1: interest. Hey, hey, did you ever think there might be another way to just feel better? better about today oh no if you never want to have to turn and go away you might feel better might feel better
0: if you stay yeah yeah i bet you haven't heard a word i've said yeah
15: yeah you've had enough of all you're trying just give up the state of mind you're in
10: Who controls the past controls the future. Who controls the present controls the past. Not just a quote from Orwell's 1984, but that which he chose as the slogan of its all-controlling party. And in our third story in the countdown, therein lies the sudden panic on the right to rationalize the torture of the Bush administration by claiming it was merely another instance in the history of the just, the righteous, the exceptional push to the wall and fighting back with utter distaste and the most controlled of responses with the only weapons left. To establish precedent, they will try to blame it on Bill Clinton. They will try to equate it with other acts of war's past. They will defame great men to justify pathetic ones, and do so with the most infantile of rationalizations. But they did it first. And their mouthpieces will call the current president a liar when he observes that throughout history in circumstances far more dire, the just, the righteous, the exceptional pushed to the wall still did not torture. Churchill
2: said, we don't torture when the the entire uh, British, all of the British people, were being subjected to unimaginable uh, risk and threat. And and, and the reason was that uh, Churchill understood, you start taking shortcuts, and over time, uh, that corrodes what's what's best in a people. It corrodes the character of a country.
10: Well, the right cannot let those facts go by unchallenged by lies. Winston Churchill is one of its appropriated heroes. If Donald Rumsfeld called all his administration critics the equivalents of Nazi appeasers, Churchill is the good guy in that equation, the man who fought not just the real Nazis, but first had to fight the real Nazi appeasers. At all costs, they cannot let Churchill be anti-torture. It ruins the whole Bush-Cheney right-wing lie that even the great men turned to torture when necessary. And so they turn to an eminently not-so-great man, a man whose knowledge of his History seems to have been drawn in equal parts from comic books and the German apologists after the Second World War.
6: Churchill actually wanted to use poison gas on the Germans in violation of the Geneva Convention, but was stopped by the British War Cabinet. The Royal Air Force killed hundreds of thousands, perhaps millions of civilians, by targeting non-military sites. And the British operated a number of interrogation centers during and after World War II, including one called the London Cage, where German prisoners were beaten, deprived of sleep, and threatened with death. Another center was opened in Bad Nendorf on German soil after Churchill left power. It
4: was almost like a concentration camp.
10: President Obama's British example was wrong. No, sorry. If that were a high school history paper, it would have earned its author a nice round F. It makes Michelle Bachman's hoot-smalley spoonerism from last week look good. Point by point, first, that was not Obama's British example. The president cited Winston Churchill specifically. Second, quote, Churchill actually wanted to use poison gas on the Germans in violation of the Geneva Convention, but was stopped by the British War Cabinet. The most obvious answer to that is, maybe, but he didn't. However, if you want to analyze what he may or may not have wanted to do, there are copious notes. Churchill's secret memo to his military chiefs, July 1944, the British Prime Minister asks them to analyze seriously using gas against German military industrial centers. But poison gas? From Churchill's memo, item six, if the bombardment of London became a serious nuisance and great rockets with far-reaching and devastating effects fell on many centers of our government and labor, I should be prepared to do anything that would hit the enemy in a murderous place. I may certainly have to ask you to support me in using poison gas. We could drench the cities of the Ruhr and many other cities in Germany in such a way that most of the population would be requiring constant medical attention. Wait, constant medical attention? Not just thousands of dead civilians, Saddam Hussein style? From Churchill's item number five. Poison gas attacks from which nearly everyone recovers. So now we know Churchill's mind, he did contemplate retaliating with poisonous, non-lethal gas if the Germans resumed full-scale bombardment of London, but only if the bombardment became a serious nuisance. And apparently the appalling London air raids of 1940 and 1941 did not meet Churchill's criteria for resorting to those non-lethal gas attacks. 1940 and 1941 was the period President Obama was talking about. And non-lethal gas is not the same as waterboarding or torturing prisoners. And ultimately, regardless of those facts, Churchill did did not do it. The Fox commentator also leaves out the fact that simultaneously in this country, the military pleaded to initiate gas warfare against Japan. And as late as 1945, the future Nobel Peace Prize winner, General George Marshall, urged that we use it. And we as a nation, like Churchill, still chose the right path. Allegation three, the Royal Air Force killed hundreds of thousands, perhaps millions of civilians, by targeting Mm non-military sites. This sounds very damning. However, A, it also has nothing to do with what Obama said about Churchill. B, its inclusion in a they-did-it-first defense of Bush seems to conflict with the fact that, in Churchill's case, the Germans actually did do it first, bombing London residential neighborhoods years before the Allies retaliated. C, virtually every nation in every war in the last hundred years has targeted non-military sites. We just did it in Afghanistan. And D, in Churchill's case, he actually tried to stop it. After the horrific bombing of Dresden in Germany in February 1945, Churchill, who never stopped producing historical source documents, wrote another memo so extraordinary that he was actually prevailed upon to withdraw it and replace it with something more tepid. He wrote, It seems to me that the moment has come when the question of bombing German cities, simply for the sake of increasing the terror, though under other pretexts, should be reviewed. I feel the need for more precise concentration upon military objectives, such as oil and communications, behind the immediate battle zone." rather than on mere acts of terror and wanton destruction, however impressive. Here again, vital context ignored. The British bombing of German non-military targets is used to discredit Obama's citing Churchill as somebody who would not torture. But even off on this tangent, Churchill looks nobler and nobler. He questioned the bombing. Point number four, the British operated a number of interrogation centers during and after World War II, including one in Bad Nendorf on German soil after Churchill left power. So Obama saying Churchill wouldn't torture Germany and Germans is disproved because England opened an interrogation center at Bad Nendorf after Churchill left power? This is nonsensical as if your TV show had won a Polk award after you had left it and then you claimed the award was your own. Well, that's right, it did and you did. By the way, British torture of German prisoners at Bad Nendorf, post-Churchill, it led to the court-martial in July of 1948 of a British captain on five counts of neglect. The British investigated whether or not they had tortured. They investigated at Bad Nendorf and at another detention center in England. One called the London Cage, where German prisoners were beaten, deprived of sleep, and threatened with death. There are boxes of documents from the London Cage Detention Center. They were scoured right after the war and in investigative journalism six decades later. And only one credited accusation of torture there has ever been raised. A Nazi captain named Fritz Nocklein said he was deprived of sleep, left dressed only in pajamas and kicked. Two separate inquiries found nothing in Nocklein's claims except the record of the staff at this London Cage place bringing in the local London police to help calm down a prisoner who had become hysterical, Fritz Knockline, The cops found Knockline screaming but unhurt and in good health. Knockline's testimony did not help up to scrutiny in 1946, and it does not now. Yet Fox News takes it. The only claim of torture under Churchill's premiership and presents that allegation as fact. The allegation of a convicted Nazi war criminal. The allegation of a man executed for having murdered 92 British prisoners of war. This is the second time Fox News Channel and its commentator have taken propaganda from the putrid and long-dead Nazi regime, blaming the allies for Nazi war crimes, and claimed it was true, and that British or American versions supported by neutral witnesses and investigations, that those were the lies. Talk about the modern-day equivalent of Nazi appeasers. Mr. Murdoch, you have a retroactive Nazi appeaser on your network every night. President Obama's British example was wrong. Fortunately, it was not. Unfortunately, nor was George Orwell's, who controls the past indeed controls the future. Who controls the present surely controls the past. Fortunately, those who would usurp that control from the auspices of the facts and give it to that of the falsehoods, the commentators of Fox News, are at best mediocre at perverting history. Obama, more correctly, history, was right. Churchill did not torture. Alas, if only we could say the same of Bush.
15: Let's Wallow sing.
1: isn't the only person disappointed in Barack Obama. His critics have taken issue with the hastiness of some of his early decisions, like closing the prison at Guantanamo Bay.
2: This first executive order that we are signing in order to affect the appropriate disposition of individuals currently detained by the Department of Defense at Guantanamo uh, and promptly to close the detention facility at Guantanamo.
1: Gitmo! done and done wait wait I seem to remember though there's a step two to this
2: is there a separate uh, executive order Greg with respect to how we're gonna dispose of the detainees
1: (laughs) all right the how with the people how do we dispose of them are they recyclable or are they perhaps the human equivalent of styrofoam Maybe that's why they wear orange. (laughs) Yes, when detailing what to do with the devils, it turns out the devil is in the details. One option, how's the detainees? And I think I'm reading this correctly. In America, I'm sure any state would be honored to have future generations look back at this moment and say, in our time of need, it was my state that bore the burden, USA, USA. Not in Kansas. Okay, not Kansas. All right. All right. That's, an, that's a no from Kansas. That's fine. That actually makes sense. They're tight on space. Missouri! Show me
5: American pride. The Missouri General Assembly has overwhelmingly voted to keep
1: them out. I get it. Okay. Branson would prove an irresistible lure. But you know who step up? The volunteer state.
12: On behalf of my constituents in the 7th District of Tennessee, don't
8: bring them to us.
1: Okay, Tennessee's out. All right, we're through the T's. You know, I've heard Virginia is for lovers of detainees. Do you think that's a good idea, Senator Webb? Well, no, I don't, actually. You know, I'm actually starting to feel bad for these detainees. Maybe, maybe if they had bigger eyes. Won't you help someone like me, <laughs> Khalid Sheikh Mohammed? You know what? We'll take them. Bring them to New York. We're not scared. It's all part of a long-standing New York philosophy we like to call, No F*** You!
10: There's been reports that a number of these detainees could be brought to the Southern District of New York to stand trial, which is
1: literally within walking distance of ground zero. Ooh. And then when they look out their cell's window and see the glimmering hope that is the Freedom Tower, well, they'll oh really, we haven't finished it yet. I understand. I said, "I'm sorry, hold on one second. I said, "I'm sorry, oh, we haven't started." OK. I see. I said, when... OK, well, we haven't agreed on a plan. OK. A lot of bureaucratic red tape. I guess that's probably not the best place then it's am- Amazing, I have two of those now. Look, man, the United States is really good at imprisoning people. Why can't we handle this? These are the worst of the worst, the most dangerous people, and I don't think they should be brought here. Yeah, the worst of the worst people. They're not warlocks. (laughs) For God's sakes, look where we're keeping them now. Gitmo, they threw that thing up in two weeks. It looks like it's made of they found on the island. It's a glorified Home Depot gazebo kit. You're telling me we can't beat that with some good old American Supermax? We've already out Tim McVeigh, the Unabomber, the Blind Sheik, the Iron Sheik, Duncan Sheik. Not actually, not actually sure about those last two, but the point is this. I know we're holding this guy.
13: I pulled his brain out and uh, took a bite out of it.
1: I pulled his brain out and I took a bite of it. He's in our prisons! <laughs> by the way, you know what makes uh, the brain-eating zombie fella so terrifying? The ennui. Did you see what he did there? Yeah, yeah, Pulled his brain out and ate it. <sniffs>
3: <laughs> oh, yeah, by the way, I have sniffles.
1: <laughs> Throw their asses in Leavenworth!
3: Leavenworth. Where we educate, educate future army officers. You think army officers want to study at Fort Leavenworth if terrorists are there? I don't think so. Not a chance. <laughs> but that's what they're studying.
1: <laughs> they're not going to be their lab partners. For God's sake, they're in the army. If things go according to plan, they're probably going to cross paths with terrorists. <laughs> well, don't worry, President Obama. You know who's got your back. You boy!
3: powerful blow today to uh, President Obama's plan to close the Guantanamo Bay prison gap for terror suspects. It comes from Senate Democrats who've decided uh, not to give the president the money to follow through on his pledge. You got my back, right, fellas?
15: <laughs> fellas? <laughs> fellas?
9: Over the past three months, there has been a steady stream of new information released about the Bush administration's torture program the dots started to connect, all the way up to the office of the former Vice President of the United States. Within three months after the attacks on 9-11, the Bush administration began making the case for invading Iraq, because Iraq, they said, was connected to al-Qaeda. Vice President Cheney went on Meet the Press and said that Mohammed Atta, the lead 9-11 hijacker, met with Iraqi officials before the attack.
5: What we now have uh, that's developed since you and I last talked, Tim, of course, was that report that uh, has been pretty well confirmed, that he did go to Prague and he did meet with uh, a senior official of the Iraqi intelligence
9: service in Czechoslovakia last April, several months before the attack. It's been pretty well confirmed, said the vice president. In fact, that report turned out to be false. But we now know... That something else was going on in secret, inside government, while Dick Cheney was making those public pronouncements, like that one from December 2001. According to the Senate Armed Services Committee Chairman Carl Levin, as far back as December 2001, the Pentagon was seeking information from the agency that runs the SEER program. The SEER program trains U.S. troops to resist the kinds of torture that were used by communist forces to get false confessions from American troops for and propaganda by July the people who ran the seer program had written to the Defense Department warning the Pentagon explicitly that it would be a mistake to base an interrogation program on seer techniques since they were not known to produce reliable or accurate information despite that warning the Bush Justice Department signed off on the techniques the very next month at that time US officials are questioning their first known high-value detainee Abu Zubaydah. through normal FBI interrogation techniques Zubaydah is spilling all sorts of information. He identifies Khalid Sheikh Mohammed as the mastermind of 9 11. He tells of a supposed dirty bomb plot leading to the arrest of Jose Padilla. He's singing, but what he's not providing is that link between Iraq and Al Qaeda. An order then comes from somewhere that Abu Zubaydah should be interrogated by other means. And in August 2002, Abu Zubaydah is waterboarded 83 times in one month despite the warning from the people who train American soldiers to survive waterboarding, that that technique was developed to produce false confessions. Now at around the same time, October 2002, out in public, the Bush administration is stepping up the case to the American people that the link exists between
12: Iraq and Al Qaeda. We know that Iraq and the Al Qaeda terrorist ne- network share a common enemy, the United States of America. We know that Iraq and Al Qaeda have had high-level contacts that go back a decade. We've learned that Iraq has trained Al Qaeda members in bomb-making, in poisons, and deadly gases. The following month, in November of 2002,
9: President Bush continued to hammer away at this Saddam-Al Qaeda link.
12: He's a threat not only with what he has, he's a threat with what he's done. He's a threat because he is dealing with Al-Qaeda.
9: Still unable to prove this link, that they are now repeating over and over and over again, the Bush administration gets what they think could be a gold mine. On March 1st, 2003, they capture Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, the mastermind of 9-11. By this point, the administration's march toward invading Iraq is unstoppable. And in that month, the same month of the invasion, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed is waterboarded 183 times, six times a day. And while he admits to everything from kidnapping the Lindbergh baby to shooting JFK on the grassy knoll, KSM fails to provide one thing the Bush administration desperately needs at that moment. The White House was launching its invasion of Iraq without any clear evidence that Iraq had anything to do with 9-11. On March 20, 2003, the United States invaded Iraq. They're still waterboarding Khalid Sheikh Mohammed at that time. Shock and awe, the war begins. Bush White House has two huge problems on its hands. One, it still hasn't proven a link between Iraq and al-Qaeda. And two, it needs to find the weapons of mass destruction that they said were in Iraq. Enter Charles Delfer, a former UN weapons inspector who was sent to Iraq after the invasion to help locate those weapons. In April of 2003, the month after the invasion, Delfer is involved in the questioning of a high-ranking Iraqi was an intelligence officer for Saddam Hussein. Delfer and the rest of the team are getting information from that officer. He is, as they say, being cooperative, but at some point during the process, a message comes from Washington, quote, some in Washington at very senior levels, not in the CIA, were concerned that the debriefing was too gentle. They asked if enhanced measures such as waterboarding should be used. Delfer says he considered the request to be reprehensible. He believed the rationale for the order was political. The request, it seemed, was to use waterboarding to find the Iraq-Al Qaeda link, a link the White House had failed to prove for more than two years, despite even using methods known to provide false information. US officials were being asked to waterboard not to prevent some imminent attack, but to justify an attack that had already been launched by us against Iraq. The bombshell news from former NBC News investigative producer Bob Windrum that the suggestion to torture this Iraqi source, to use torture not to prevent an attack but to find that link, that suggestion came directly from the office of Vice President Cheney.
6: You know I miss the Bush administration. At least with those guys, you knew where you stood, which was occasionally on a box while holding electrodes. (laughs) That's why I was glad to see former Secretary of Defense Donald Rumsfeld, or Don Donrum, (laughs) featured in the latest issue of GQ. Apparently they gave George Clooney the month off. The story is that during the Iraq War, Rumsfeld's briefings to President Bush had cover pages featuring war photography and passages from the Bible. Because obviously, briefings about a war you just launched are a snooze unless you add a little pizzazz. (laughs) So they added quotes like this one from Isaiah, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Of course, the answer was, the same soldiers over and over again. (laughs) Then there's this one from Ephesians. Therefore, I put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. See, Rumsfeld knew the troops already had the full armor of God, so they didn't need the full armor of actual armor. (laughs) These cover pages should surprise no one. Bush and Rumsfeld are men of faith. In fact, they considered changing the Pentagon into the Jesus fish. <laughs> now, these cover letters have received some criticism, but Rumsfeld had to put those Bible quotes on there. After all, he was competing with the president's other advisor, Jesus. <laughs> and his memos were far less hawkish. I have to
7: admit.
16: He's a talk show host by the name of Mankow. and uh, some of you might have heard of him, Eric Mankow Muller, and he's a conservative talk show host, and uh, and he's been talking as all the conservatives have of, you know, waterboarding is not torture; it's a lot of, you know, baloney to just uh, spraying some water on the guy's face, he'll be all right. These guys cut off our heads. In fact, he said, uh, "quote I, I wanted to prove that it wasn't torture. They cut off our heads. We put water on their face. So I got voted to do this apparently on his show." Uh but I really thought I'm gonna laugh this off. So he decided he's gonna get waterboarded and show people that it's not that big a deal. Uh and he's one hundred percent genuine about this and he's gonna hold a cow in his hand. You know how they hold something in their hand and let it go if something goes wrong. Uh well, don't worry, you're gonna get to see it because we've got the video of it. And uh the guy who's doing it is Marine Sergeant Clay South and he says normally the average person lasts about fourteen seconds. And Mankow says, Oh, I can go 30 seconds, etcetera. I'm not gonna break, and we're gonna prove this isn't torture. So it's an interesting experiment. Let's see how it turned out. Here it is.
3: Man, cow. there's a lot of water here. All right. Now, here's here's the thing. How long is the average person, can they take this? About 14 seconds. 14 seconds? That's the average. 14 seconds done properly, yeah. And uh, now, describe for our radio audience what's going to happen. We have this shirt or this towel here we're going to put over his, his face, and, but not his mouth. We're just going to put it slightly over his nose. That way he can get the, he can get most of the full effects. So he's, he's not going to be able to talk, really, but he'll make noises? Oh, he's probably going to moan like a little girl
13: the chances of you having a flashback and doing something really weird here to me?
3: Oh, the chances are really good, man. We're back in today. Now, we've got to get your first. face covered here, here. all right? Get, here we go. We're going to get it nice and wet. Dunking the uh, the cloth in a bucket of water now. Yeah. Okay. Get ready to put it over your face, okay? Okay. All right, it's going over, man. Can Cal you State. cover my mouth, too? No. We won't you so you want to see you scream. We want to see you scream. All right. Alright, we're coming up here. Alright, EMT, Rossi standing by? Alright. Alright, good luck, my friend. Don't move your head, okay? One. You gonna hold my nose? Yeah, we're, 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 I'm holding your nose, in. I'm holding his nose as he speaks, okay? okay? Move down a little, you're squeezing the top of my nose, there you okay, go. Okay, there we go. Well, I have, I have to get over here that way, can All right. get a good grip. Alright, here's the bucket of water in his hand, right. the sergeant is over man cow's head. We're gonna do it on five, okay? Okay. One, two, I lied. Hey. No. No. Alright, that's it. That's it. Alright. Oh. oh God. Mancow is soaked. Oh. Man cow is soaked. We all got a little water on him. How you doing, buddy? Oh. All right. Oh Jesus. Uh, you're soaked, man. How do you feel? Do you it's want the EMT? No, no, no. The EMT's here. No,
13: no, it's okay. It is Mr. Brad, I'm fine. It is way worse than I thought it would be. And I, it is way worse than I thought it would be.
3: Would and you that's can, no joke. Would you consider that torture? Look, all
13: that's been done to this country. And I heard about water being dropped on someone's face, and I never considered torture. Even when I was laying there, I thought this is going to be no big deal. I go swimming, it's going to be like being in the tub. It is such an odd feeling to have water poured down your nose and your mouth with your head back. It was instantaneous. I, I thought I could hold out 30 seconds, 60 seconds. It was instantaneous and and uh, I don't want to say this I do not want to say this absolutely torture
3: you do absolutely
13: I mean that's drowning
3: so you felt like you were going to drown Wh- when
13: I was a kid when I was a kid I drowned I was a drown I, I drowned my, my, my yes my brother it's my brother pulled me out of this uh out of this uh this pool that I fell in mm-hmm. and I, and I had to be revived and I remember the feeling and that it is the feeling of drowning
3: there was a flashback to your childhood there
13: i, I worse than that i mean it was
3: yeah, was... You look, you look shaken. You look shaken. You, you, your hands are shaking a bit. Uh, I can see your hand shaking, and you're absolutely soaked. Your hair, your shirt, you're just completely soaked, and your eyes. Uh, you, uh, you look pale.
13: I thought I could hold out, and it was instantaneous and horrific. And I really, uh, look, I wouldn't have done this if, if I knew it was going to be this bad, I would not have done it. Ma'am? See,
16: look, I think that's powerful because a lot of guys have done this already. Christopher Hitchens did it, a Playboy uh, reporter did it, and, but they were either unsure of how it was going to turn out or they thought maybe it is torture or, or some of them thought it already is torture. Mankow came in guns blazing that it was not torture. And it took him six seconds and he was done. Okay, okay, it's definitely torture. Now, Remember, before they started, he's like, oh, could you move your hand down a little bit, Telling the interrogator, et cetera. Now imagine, you're, there's, you don't tell the interrogator to move his hand here or there, and you're stripped naked, and you've already gone through the, uh, like, all these different things that they've done to you, whatever it is, sleep deprivation and the stress positions, and you've already pulled your hair out, and you're a mess, and they got you in a hood, and they take it out, and then they do it not once like that. Look at how messed up you got in six seconds. They do it 183 times. Mankow was like, "Oh, it's definitely not torture." Turned into, "It's definitely torture in six seconds." Imagine how you feel on 183 times. So, like, this debate is over, man. Everybody who's ever been waterboarded, every one of them, ranging from people who thought it was to people who thought it wasn't, to Jesse Ventura who did it for the seer program, and the list goes on and on. Every single one of them says it's. Definitely torture. Some of those guys who did it as an experiment, they say they're still having nightmares over it. Some of the early people who tried it. So, uh, uh, do, do we still have a debate? Okay. By the way, Sean Hannity was supposed to do this, right? He was supposed to prove that it isn't torture. Where is he? At? I'm looking forward to checking it out. <laughs> now, uh, speaking of which, Jesse Ventura has got a great challenge for Sean Hannity. He says, look, Sean, uh, I-, I know you're a tough guy, <laughs> and uh, he said this in an interview with the Huffington Post. So, uh, you know, and I know that you've already offered to do it for charity, and Keith Hoberman's offered to do it f- uh, to you for more charity. He's like, but I'll keep it real simple, okay? $1,000, again, for charity. I waterboard you, and I bet I can get you to say that Barack Obama is the greatest president ever. Now you give me an hour and a waterboard. I don't think it'll take an hour, but just in case, right? And if you say Barack Obama's the greatest president ever, uh then you pay a thousand dollars to charity. But if you don't, you hold out, then I'll pay the thousand dollars to charity. Really fair, right? You can't get any fairer than that. Sean Hannity, shockingly enough, has not accepted that offer yet. <laughs> okay. Here's what's a guarantee. If Jesse Ventura waterboards him the right way, Sean Hannity will say any damn thing Ventura wants. Okay, there ain't no ands, ifs, or buts. ManCal lasted six seconds. Nobody that I've seen now, like I said, three, four, five of these that reporters have gone through, no one's ever lasted 10 seconds. So Sean Henney's gonna last and he's not gonna break? Hell no, man, hell no. But that goes to prove a second point. It's not about being a tough guy and lasting or not lasting. Ventura's right. You can get somebody to say anything if you waterboard them. That doesn't mean what they're saying is actually true. If Hannity said, oh no, it's, you know, Barack Obama's the greatest president ever, he doesn't mean it. He's just saying it because he's being tortured. I've
15: waited hours for this. I've made myself so sick. I wish i stay.
10: The torture debate ended today. It was at 8.40 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It was in the most unlikely of venues, the radio studio of a Chicago shock jock named Eric Mancow-Muller, fully of the right to the degree that he once claimed on air that Barack Obama was a secret Muslim, then called then-DNC Chairman Howard Dean a, quote, traitor, and once insisted with no qualifications that waterboarding was not torture. Our fifth story in the countdown. And then he had himself waterboarded today to prove that it was not torture. Uh, you're soaked, man.
3: How do you feel? you want the EMT? No, no, no. The EMT is here.
13: No, no, it's okay.
3: It is... Mr. Brett,
13: I'm fine. It is way worse than I thought it would be. And I, it is way worse than I thought it would be. Would and that's consider, no joke. Would you consider that torture? Look, all that's been done to this country, and I heard about water being dropped on someone's face... And I never considered it torture. Even when I was laying there, I thought, this is going to be no big deal. I go swimming. It's going to be like being in the tub. It is such an odd feeling to have water poured down your nose and your mouth with your head back. It was instantaneous. I, I thought I could hold out 30 seconds, 60 seconds. It was instantaneous. And and uh, I don't want to say this. I do not want to say this. Absolutely torture. You do Absolutely. I mean, that's drowning.
10: Absolutely torture, he says. That's drowning, he says. If he were being interrogated in that way, he added later, I would confess to anything. Mr. Mueller lasted six seconds, and he, unlike prisoners who were waterboarded, had a toy cow that he could throw, and he had had enough. And he, unlike prisoners who were waterboarded, obviously knew it would end. He knew it would not kill him, and he, unlike prisoners who were waterboarded, was not subject to any other potential element of being a prisoner, like confinement or sleep deprivation or temperature extremes, or having it done to him another 182 times. As a healthy 42-year-old man, Mr. Mueller underwent what might be easily called the Rolls-Royce version of waterboarding, Six seconds Torture
0: Thanks for listening everybody Another long episode about torture I hate to do it to you but the news just keeps Coming out so I'm going to keep this real short Just let you know That the big news of the day is that uh, very possibly, as you listen to this, I am on my way to California. I am basically on a transcontinental errand. This involves a totally uninteresting story about a car, uh, the result of which is I'm flying to California and driving back. The show will continue as scheduled, posting on time Wednesday and next Saturday and again on into next week. Uh, Unfortunately, I won't be telling you anything about the big trip in those episodes because at the time when they are recorded, I will not have left yet. So if you're interested in following my journey across the country, it is stacking up to be an epic cross-country trip of a lifetime. Um, We are not just going on a straight route back we will be stopping at all of the interesting places across the country um, having fun taking pictures and uh, twittering as we go so if you'd like to follow us along sign up to follow us on the twitter account find the link for that at best that's big enough news for one day so i'll leave it at that clips sources and music links can be found in the show notes on the blog And coming to you from inside the beltway and border yet outside the conventional wisdom of washington dc my name's Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast, coming to you from bestoftheleft.com.
15: Light, light snow, black and white Cause you took apart a that wasn't right on a shining the only maker that you want A dying in a the shadow bases the throne out any open door, this is not my life, it's just a phone farewell to a friend, it's not what I'm like.